2018, I started conducting Facebook Live interviews, having conversations with military veterans, sharing their stories of service, sacrifice, and life out of the uniform. This is one of those stories. Keep in mind that while the timeline is off, the stories remain timeless. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of the Defender Fitness Alliance. I'm your host, Raiden Denisio. Uh, so this evening, I have a, another very special guest. Um, he's a Navy veteran, and he is also the founder of the Lift for the 22 nonprofit organization. Uh, please welcome Carter Davis. Carter. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. Uh, <clears throat> first off, thank you for, uh, for being on. Um, let's start off by... Tell us a little bit about your service and your personal life. Sure. Um, I joined the Navy at 18 uh, to be a Navy corpsman with the Marines, uh, which we are the medics for the Marines. And I served with 1st Marine Division from 2007 to 2011. And then at the end of 2011, I got orders to Hawaii. And I re-enlisted and went to Hawaii. And then I got injured. I shattered my leg in a uh, soccer game, and they kicked me out of the military for that. <clears throat> and here I am now. <laughs> what uh, <laughs> You spent most of your time in Hawaii during your service? Uh, I spent most of my time at Camp Pendleton um, in California and San Diego, and then I was in Hawaii for two years. How was that? I was never stationed there. <laughs> oh, man. Hawaii is beautiful. The people are beautiful. Just great people live on the islands. Uh, I had a great time in Hawaii. They have the worst traffic, hands down. I've lived in Los Angeles, Chicago. Man, Hawaii has the worst traffic, though, hands down. <laughs> Best cost food, though. Cost of living, too, I, I bet. It's pretty high. Oh, it was nuts out there. Yeah, for sure. But it's worth it when you wake up every day to the beach. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah. So, um... Any advice for those who are wanting to serve? And um, if you have a message, what's your message to those that are still serving? Oh, um, if you want to serve in the military, my advice is do your homework. Um, know exactly what you're getting in for, why you're going in, and all of the – do your homework. You know, know kind of the process. Talk to other people who have been in the military. And – pick their brains, you know, gain some sort of mentorship from them about, you know, joining the military because there's a lot um, that people don't know until they get in or they don't take it seriously from all of us who are trying to give them advice. After the fact, um, definitely listen to the advice of those that have been in before. Uh, it'll help kind of guide your process a lot better. Um, and then for those that are in, have a plan to get out. Uh, that is huge. Everyone harps on it. You know, your chief will harp on it. Um, your chain of command will harp on it to have a plan. They're not kidding. You know, when you get out, it's a different world out here uh, in terms of supporting yourself and the times that it takes that you have to wait to get your GI Bill started. All of that stuff plays into transition. So have a plan, execute that plan, and you'll be fine. The guys who have the most problems and gals that have the most problems did not have a plan. So that is definitely my advice for those that are in right now. Yeah, um, you know, I, I ask this question to each and every one of my guests, and it seems like that's the recur recurring thing is uh, 
planning, right? Um, do you do you think the TAPS or the transition assistance program? Do you think that's enough, or is there anything that we can improve upon when these guys are yeah. transitioning out of a uniform? So I think it, it comes down to a policy level problem. The policy when I was in the military was that you had to go to TAPS within 18 months of separation. Right. Sometimes I think it's like within six months of separation now. I don't know if they changed the policy. Depends what unit you're at and how on top of it they are. If you go at 12 months out, you're going to forget so much that you learn during the TAPS process. By the time you actually get out, you're not going to remember like, wait, what did they say about when I need to submit my claims by? I can submit my claims 60 days before I get out. Oh, okay. Then you see all these vets that weren't paying attention or they did it way too soon and they uh, forgot that you can file your claim 60 days before you get out. So they end up filing their claim way after they get out. Then they're waiting for a year. You know, and you can fix a lot of these problems that vets are having a hard time with if you just have, you know, a proper plan. And TAPS GPS provides the bare minimum knowledge when it comes to transitioning out. Um, my experience was that in Hawaii, they sent a VA caseworker over to our classroom on their lunch break. They were a little upset about having to be there, and so they rushed through the presentation, and then they said, just write your questions down on this piece of paper, and we'll email you all the answers, and we never got emails. You know, so yes, there are definitely flaws in the program. Um, is every TAPS GPS program the same? I highly doubt it, because sometimes you're going to have people in Kansas that are doing their job really well and making sure everyone's well informed and bringing handouts and pamphlets and all the other stuff. And then you're going to have the other group that doesn't take the time to really help explain to you. You know, it's up and down depending where you are and what your experience is and how much work you put into trying to uh, transition effectively. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point you bring up. I mean, um, each command, like you said, is very different some may do better than others and you know guys just the key thing is um, don't depend on other people um, with you know with your uh, career after the military right you, you always want to do your mm -hmm. homework uh, you always want to um, you know ask the, the key questions that can help you uh, during your transition and I think now is um, if you're within a year you can go as many times as you want to the, the program okay. the TAPS program so nice right on yeah i know i know it would be much more beneficial if the taps gps program had a like wherever you're moving home to they have like a resource list locally yeah. already built yeah. of like organizations locally that can give you support you know businesses that offer discounts and so because of that brokenness i actually know some of the guys from victor app um, and they're developing an app that's going to be able to connect veterans with all the resources in their hometown. So that's coming. That's actually live now. Uh, they just started populating the app, so people can actually download that now. So if any active duty people, you know, are trying to figure out where to move home to, go download the Victor app, you know, and start populating that stuff. So guys, go check out that app. I believe it's developed by a Marine, right? Yeah, it was developed by a guy named Greg Jooms and yeah, Weston Pulaski. Yeah. 
Yeah. So and hey, they uh, they both went through bad transitions too. So they know what to they know what vets need. So guys, hey, Marines aren't just good for crayon eating and all that, right? <laughs> they can develop <laughs> <above> other things. <laughs> hey, corpsmen aren't just good for silver bullets either. <laughs> <laughs> right on, bro. All right, so uh, my next question. Um, so you, how long were you in, Corp? Six years, 11 Six months. Six years. So you're in for uh, about an enlistment. Talk to us about your transition. How was that experience for you? And what's one advice for those that are transitioning now? So I transitioned um, in 2013. I was injured in 2012. I shattered my leg. So my transition is a little bit different than the majority of people's. I was medically retired. So my injuries to my bones and the nerves in my right leg were bad enough that they determined that I was going to be medically retired rather than medically separated. So that process requires about 11 months of going to the VA, having all these surgeries, having all these evaluations. Um, they ended up putting a spinal cord stimulator in my spine. Um, so I've, I've got that as well. And uh, then they s told me about three weeks before I was getting out of the – or so they told me I had three weeks to separate. So they came back with my rating, and when they come back with your rating – it's like, okay, now it's just the administrative separation process. You know, it's just boom, boom, boom. Like, and the paperwork's already done. So it's like, pick your day, you're getting out, but it has to be in like the next month. So at that point, it's like racing, you know, racing to get the lease done, you know, let the landlord know that we, I've got orders to separate, pack all everything from Hawaii and move it to Los Angeles into a shipping container and all the while I was in a wheelchair because the nerves in my foot weren't working properly, so I couldn't walk. And so that was just an extremely stressful time for me. So then I separate out, and I'm on sleep medications, pain medications, nerve medications, depression medications, and all kinds of stuff because of the injury. You know, I was going to spend 20 years in the military, and I'm getting kicked out now because of this leg injury. And so um, I ended up just spiraling downhill into this like really dark depression when I first got out, gained a bunch of weight and the VA couldn't see me for three months. So my meds weren't getting refilled. So now my meds are doing this whole thing. And, um, I ended up almost becoming one of the veterans that commit suicide every day. And, uh, that was when I realized that I needed to make a change in my life personally. And so I, um, started going to the gym after having a couple buddies take me back to the gym and kind of encouraged me to like get out of my mental um, stagnation that I was in personally uh, because of my injury. I was letting it hold me back. And a year and a half later, I ran the 2015 World Championship Spartan Race in Lake Tahoe. And so that was kind of like my culminating moment to transition out, get out of my wheelchair, get off crutches start getting the nerves in my leg working again, um, and then eventually running the hardest Spartan race of the year. And so that was something I wanted to do for myself, and I completed it in seven and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> it took me seven and a half hours to do the 16.1 miles. Um, the winner did it in two hours and 33 minutes. So it took me quite a while to get off that mountain. Uh, but I did it. And I think that's something that every veteran needs to go through when they separate from the military, they need to go through that like climb, mm -hmm. that climb out of like 
the transition hole, you know? Um, and a lot of guys will try to like pad it as much as they can with um, alcohol, you know, things like that. Don't, don't go down that route. Like find that one really positive thing you can go after, whether it be like, you know, I'm going to bench press 250 pounds by the end of the year, or I'm going to um, do a physique show, or I'm going to lose 15 pounds by the end of the year, or set these like goals for yourself that are positive, you know, and if you set positive goals, you'll live a positive life. And that was kind of my mindset after taking on that challenge. And that was kind of leading to me starting Lifted the 22 and trying to help more veterans get into the gym because it helped me. Well, Carter, congrats, bro, from overcoming all of those obstacles, you know, from being medically retired, uh, being on crutches, and then, you know, you went through a, a time when you were depressed and then, you know, going out and doing the Spartan, uh, what are you, Spartan championship race, you said? It was the world championship race in Lake Tahoe. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, brother. So, you know, you did all this. Um, you're, you're back to your, on your feet. How did the, the whole lift for the 22 come about? Um, and where did that idea come from? So I did that whole um, initial phase of starting to get healthy again. And right at the same time, I went through a divorce. So I ended up having to move home to Oregon, where I'm actually from, from Los Angeles, um, kind of on a whim. And I was a foster kid growing up, so I didn't really have anywhere to go. Um, I went to my dad's house initially, but it was just way too far out away from where I actually wanted to live that it wasn't realistic for me to live with him there. Um, so I ended up moving into my older foster brother's house, um, his apartment, for about a year. And I lived on the couch and I worked um, overnight security at a hotel um, about 45 minutes away. And I ended up uh, having this idea sitting on the couch one night that if this was like, I, I just realized I wasn't depressed anymore mm. and I wasn't on meds. So like, why did I need the meds before? You know, why did I feel like I needed you know, why did I love my diagnosis, as so many doctors will say about their patients? Like, why did I let depression define me? And the gym allowed me to overcome it because what a lot of it was was self-esteem related. It was, you know, I'm stuck in this wheelchair or I'm, you know, stuck on these crutches or I have a limp now or everyone's going to make fun of the brace I have to wear on my leg all the time or, you know, I can't go do the things that I used to do. I can't play soccer anymore. I can't go running anymore. I can't do these things anymore. And I just felt like everything was related to my self-esteem. So when you go to the gym and you work on yourself, your self-esteem improves because you begin to have a more positive image about yourself. You start to think, you know, wow, I'm feeling a lot, you know, more solid up here now. Oh, I'm, I have more energy now. Um, I'm yeah, getting self-confidence you know, back. Yeah, you get that, like, just that sense of, like, you're accomplished something. Like, mm -hmm. it's not just, like, how you look. It's how you feel. Mm -hmm. And and for me, I wanted to give that to other veterans. So I lost six friends to suicide, six people from my old unit or people that I knew uh, from, like, my trainings and, and things like that and, like, other corpsmen and stuff like that. More corpsmen that I know have committed suicide than mer other Marines. And... Um, 
after losing my friend Vito and my other friend Adrian, it, it was just like overwhelming, you know, and they committed suicide after I started Lift for the 22. But prior to that, um, I had had other friends deal with these issues. And so I just had this idea, like, why don't, like, a lot of gyms in the country give away discounts to veterans. You know, there's, like, a veteran discount. Mm-hmm. So why can't we get them to just donate 5 to 22 gym memberships a year? You know, like, that's just 5 to 22 people in your gym. You, you have 15,000 members in your club. What is 5 to 22 going to really hurt your business? But it's going to let me help at least five to 22 veterans in potentially every city in the country if gyms in every city got on board with this idea. And so we amassed um, 350 gym partnerships nationwide. We got 3,800 total like gym memberships to give away to the veteran community. Um, And then that concept has now evolved into a different concept because also what we've realized is that people, when they're given something for free, don't typically use it. So, um, we, we came to find that about 90% of the veterans that we were giving these memberships to, they were going to waste. Either the veteran would stop going after the first week or month, and there was no way for us to develop an accountability process. So now we're shifting into a new model where we're going to tour the country and connect veterans in these gyms at veteran fitness meetup events and start doing, you know, these big veteran and resource connection events, kind of like a a nonprofit veteran fitness expo kind of concept, but mm-hmm. with nonprofits, you know, just a ton of nonprofits and resources from the local area coming together for one kick-ass workout, you know, in Dallas and then one in Boston and then one in, you know, Portland and Chicago and all these other places. So we're going to be rolling that out here in 2019. And how long has uh, the, fun, the nonprofit been up? Since 2015. Okay. So we we incorporated in March and we had our nonprofit status in August of fifteen. So within two thousand about three years, um, you know you've had all these. You talked about uh, earlier about your personal um, struggles and worst moments. What's been some of the, I guess, worst or worst moments that you've had in building this foundation? Um, so there's something that I, I say to almost every person that I meet when it comes regarding to business. This is something I really believe in is that every good idea has unpleasant truths. So the hardest things to swallow in life are when you have a really good idea and then you realize there's that one thing that's holding it back from being a reality. Okay. And you try to work around those unpleasant truths. You find ways to like either go around them or you find ways to completely remove them or you find ways to go straight through them. And the unpleasant truth that I realized was, you know, if I give you my elevator pitch at an event, you know, Lift for the 22, we've partnered with 350 gyms nationwide. They donate over 3,800 gym memberships a year for the veteran community. Would you be interested in donating $22 today to help us provide more gym memberships to veterans around the country? Absolutely. But then I tell you, 90% of the veterans that we've given gym memberships to have let them go to waste. Unpleasant truth, right? Mm -hmm. Great idea. Execution, not so easy. So when it comes to, like, building a business, you have to 
try to think in the future about all the unpleasant truths you're going to run into. You can't always plan for all of them. Um, you know, some things you can plan for, some things you just can't. But being a smart entrepreneur from the beginning, like building a fitness business, building a gym, am I planting in the right city? Do I have the right clientele? Do I have the right price point? Do I have the right square footage? Do I have the right services? You know, all of those different things that go into running a fitness business, for example, you have to calculate those ahead of time. You can't just run headfirst into the first building that becomes open. It might be in the wrong area where no one drives by and no one wants to come to your facility, you know? So it's one of those things that if you plan ahead, you won't run into the same issues that I've run into. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, brother. And um, talking about the worst moment, what's been the best moment or let's, what's been the most rewarding uh, moment so far with the lift of the 22? So I have received probably 20 to 30 messages since I started this that were just overwhelmingly positive messages. Veterans who we gave gym memberships to and it took them from one way of living to a completely more positive, self-driven type of lifestyle. Um, that is the most rewarding. When you hear that someone who was on the edge of dying of alcohol intoxication every night um, to them going cold turkey the next day and taking some personal training sessions that we gave them and running with it. Um, and then completely turning that into, you know, being at the gym three times a week, taking care of themselves, then competing in a show, you know, to finding stable employment and all these things that happen when you, um, when you do something really positive in your life and you take care of yourself, the, your health is the most important thing we have. It is the most valuable monetary thing that we have is our health. My value comes from my ability to take care of my family, to give back to others and things like that. If I didn't have my health, I couldn't do that. You know, so taking care of ourselves allows us to be better people. It allows us to have a more rewarding life. And hearing from the veterans that have had that type of response um, to using the gym membership, that has been just really like the fuel that's like topped off my gas tank and helped me keep pushing through a lot of these problems that we face. So I think that's a, uh, that's definitely the best thing is hearing back from the vets that it made an impact on. That's awesome. That's awesome, brother. Um, so yeah, guys, take care of yourselves so you can take care of others and continue to keep changing lives. Um, now, so Carter, what's what's one advice you would give? Uh, you know, we might have viewers or listeners that are looking into starting their own nonprofit. What would your one advice be for them? First, you have to ask yourself if you actually need to be a nonprofit to do what you want to do. So there's two worlds out there, just like we all know from the military. You have military living and you have civilian living. Mm -hmm. You have nonprofit world and you have for-profit world. And they don't mix. So the only thing that they mix with is the for-profit world giving the nonprofit world stuff so that they can get a better tax write-off at the end of the year. Okay? The for-profit world is slowly shifting nowadays. You have tons of cause-based for-profit organizations. Okay? You have dropship t-shirt companies that are donating 10% of every t-shirt that you buy back to a nonprofit that supports a cause that's associated with their brand. You have... Um, uh, 
water companies that, you know, 15 cents of every single water bottle helps them provide water to a country that needs water, you know, or something like that. You have a lot of for-profit cause-based organizations. The benefit to that is you maintain control. As an entrepreneur, it's always best to be able to maintain control of your business that you're building, okay, as long as you possibly can. As the value continues going up and you're still leading it, that's the most profitable opportunity for you to step away when you sell the business. Well, in a nonprofit world, you don't own your business. The community owns your business. Okay. You are, this is the way I put it. The 3.5 star restaurant down the street is still gonna get customers tonight. The 3.5 star nonprofit is not gonna get donors tonight. That's what I'm saying. So for-profit world, you can make money, you can maintain control of your business, and you can create an impact in the communities that you want to support, while at the same time, not having to operate in literally perfect perfection 24-7 for the community to support you. You know, you can make mistakes and still survive. Nonprofit side, not so much. Mm -hmm. So when you're building a nonprofit or you're thinking about building a nonprofit, figure out a way to decide from the very beginning, do I have to be a nonprofit or should I be a for-profit? If you want to have a cause, and it's strictly a cause, it's just a foundation, you want to give all your time and effort to working as a nonprofit executive, and you want to learn that field and network with those businesses and write those grants and do all of those things, go for it. Uh, but map out your business. Make sure from the very beginning that you're figuring out who your donor is who your audience is, because donations are going down nowadays. Everyone in the veteran nonprofit sector is struggling, and it's because we're in a super oversaturated market with a lot of nonprofits that are competing with one another for the same dollars, and people are giving less. That's just what's happening in the nonprofit world right now. All the nonprofits are having to figure out how to have a higher return on their investment. For every single investment they make, what's my return? For a for-profit side business, it is... How marketable are we? How much money do we spend on marketing? How much money do we spend on this? It seems like nowadays in the nonprofit world, the majority of people, you're not, you're going to get like a C grade. You know, people are going to judge you for that, right? Say that last part again. You're kind of cutting off. Yeah, so people are going to judge you as a nonprofit if you're not giving at least 80 cents on every dollar back to the community that you're supporting. But the majority of people also don't understand the nonprofit business from the inside of it in that you have the exact same overhead as a for-profit business. You have administrative costs, you have to print materials, you have to do all this, but everyone expects that the nonprofit executive is going to pay for it out of their own pocket. When really, you're probably just another guy from the block who's trying to start a nonprofit to help people. You're not a 60-year-old, $100 million business owner who now has all this time to be philanthropic. So you start a nonprofit and you bankroll it yourself. It doesn't exist. So if, my, if I have like a genuine piece of advice for just the community out there, be understanding of nonprofits a little bit better and really look at the numbers and see how nonprofits have to run in order to survive. You know, if they want to continue providing their service, yeah, they have to do 60 cents on every dollar because they're not getting enough donations to cover their overhead, you know. Um, and the other thing about my advice for nonprofit is find a mentor. Mm. Uh, the best, the best advice I have is find a mentor because 
the nonprofit space being completely different, it's almost counterintuitive to how the business works. It's like you want to, all of the money needs to be spent and it needs to be spent in this one area. And if you have a mentor that's really going to help you figure out how money works within a nonprofit, you're going to have such an easier time from the beginning getting off the ground. Um, and also someone who's clear on marketing. Because if people are being hit up by 10 nonprofits today, what makes you the best one? Okay. You know? So I, that's the hardest thing to sell to people. I, I get, like, tons of emails from nonprofits and about supporting you know, their fitness events and uh, their right. cause. And um, <clears throat> you kind of went over it earlier. It's uh, it's becoming, or it already is, a very saturated uh, market. Yeah. And um, so how do you, how do you, I don't know if there's a fix to that. What's, and you talked about um, having mentors. Would you advise um, getting a mentor if they operate a for-profit business or does it have to be, uh, nonprofit business. So I recommend every veteran get a mentor, um, not just people who are starting a business. I think everyone needs a mentor um, is when you're separating from the service. There's a website. I'm going to do another plug for another veteran business, Veterati, V-E-T-E-R-A-T-I. Yeah. -E I'm a mentor on Veterati for a few people. You can uh, look on through Veterati's pages and schedule a phone call during a blocked off time that this mentor has set aside time that's in your industry or is in an industry that you're looking to get into and they're all veterans they're like veteran mentors or they're civilian mentors and they will mentor you through the process of getting out of the military and how to get into their industry yeah. you know so i've had phone calls just randomly with filmmakers because i want to make movies <laughs> so this is my like passion. This is what I want to do. So I'm going to find someone who has been doing this for 25 years and ask them, how do you start a business in this? You know, what was your experience like? How did you build clientele? What kind of gear did you use? You know, things like that. So can I follow you on one of your shoots? You know, things like Vet that. Veterati is a great resource, guys. And if you're listening to this, make sure you guys check that out. It's 100% free. And like what Carter was saying, uh, you can go in there and see what dates they're available, the times they're available, and, you know, schedule your uh, your call right away. It's pretty simple to use. And I've used it a couple times as well. So, um, Carter, uh, next question. What's one Internet resource that our listeners can uh, use um, for those that are interested in starting a nonprofit? I use Google. I mean, there there's a million resources. Uh, my God, I hate just being generic and cliche and saying Google it, but <laughs> man, there's so much good information, like in the first right. five links, you know, if it, how to start a nonprofit, holy crap, there's five yeah. amazing links right there that are long articles that you can read about. Here's nonprofit work. You have to do it. You got to do it. It, it's an experience. It's it's like sticking an IV for the first time. You don't know what it feels like until you do it. When you throw that $500 of your own money down to file your, you know, 1023 form with the IRS, you've got skin in the game now. You know, now you've 
put your own money on the line to start this idea to help more people. You know, it, you got to just do it. You know, just like Shia LaBeouf would say, remember when he was doing the, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> I loved that. I loved it. And it was because that's how you have to think as an entrepreneur. Like if you have a good idea, every good idea is executable. It's going to have its unpleasant truths, but every good idea is executable. If you have an idea for a business, execute it now. Put the motions. Go meet with someone that's a mentor in that business industry. If it's an innovative idea, hold on to it. Map it out over time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And execute it. Start networking with people. You know? I think you've probably figured it out too, Rita. Business is all about relationships. Right. It's all about the relationships. You and I have built a relationship with one another, and now we're doing a podcast. You know, we're ex- we're help we're helping more people get access to information. Right. So, business is about relationships with people. If anyone out there wants to argue with me on that, I will debate that to the nth degree, down to the bone, because. The people that you have supporting you in building your business, building a business is a team effort. No one builds a business by themselves. Anyone who takes 100% credit for the success of their business is a very selfish individual because almost everybody that I know that has made it has had an army of people behind them, kicking them in the butt, pushing them forward, you know, or offering some sort of resource resource or opportunity that helped put them to the next level or made a connection for them that made a huge difference uh, in the success, long-term success of their business. You know, my gym owners that I work with around the country, no more gym owners. The gym industry is a super tight community. So many gym owners know other gym owners. So when you have an idea like this, what's, a, what's my target audience? My target audience is gym owners. Okay, so I go out there and I get the gym owners to help me get more gym owners on board, you know, with donating memberships or now discounts. So it's all about relationships. Couldn't have said it any better, brother. Um, and guys, just simple message, man. Just do it. If you guys have a plan, uh, the key is implementation. Everybody has plans or everybody has ideas. Everybody has a good idea, but until you execute and implement it, then it, that idea is just going to go to waste. So, um, Guys, and make for sure all those guys... people out there that are rolling their eyes at you right now and going, it, it's, it's easier or it's harder than it sounds, Right. that is the mentality that is keeping you working for someone else. Like, and it's not, it's not, not is, easy. It's not easy. It's, it's not, not supposed easy. to be. That's the whole it's, point. Though. Right. But you have to walk into it with a smile on your face. Yeah. You know, if you don't walk through it, that, this process hurts everybody entrepreneurship is hard. It is a grind. It drains your energy. It makes having good relationships with like friends and family strained and you have to learn to have work-life balance and everything like that. This is hard and it wasn't supposed to be easy, you know? And so when I hear all this hate going towards people like Jeff Bezos for being a billionaire, oh, well, what is he doing with his money? He earned his money. He built the biggest online e-commerce that you all use every single day to get access to the supplies and groceries or whatever that you need, you know, hitting people hating on rich business owners. It's sad because these guys work their entire lives to get to that point. And they had that mentality to keep pushing hard. And if you have that mentality, you can get there too. You just got to grind it out. 
And remember, just one small step at a time. Yep. Keep going. Uh, I, wanna... I actually saw an interview. This is actually okay. kind of stimulating, so you might like this. I saw an interview on a, uh, I was scrolling through some TED Talks. This gentleman said, they found the key to success. And it's one question. It's the marshmallow test. I don't know if you've ever heard of the marshmallow test. You ask a kid, so we're talking about long-term successful kids, leaders in their industries versus kids who end up growing up and, and we all, you know, just become part of the machine. Okay, the two mm -hmm. difference of mindset. Difference in mindset is the marshmallow test. You can have two marshmallows tomorrow. Do you want this one marshmallow right now or two marshmallows tomorrow? The kids who grow up typically to become very successful in life and leaders of their industries are thinking about the long game. Right. They've always been that way. Their personality was developed to think about the long game versus the short game. Instant gratification versus long-term success and opportunity. Right. So I get $500 in from a check from a client. How do I spend that $500? I started videography eight months ago with an iPhone, hand-holding, shooting just a little video for a gym over here. The gym paid me. Money went into an account. Saved up that money after the second shoot to go buy myself a camera. Now I've got a nicer camera. Now I'm doing other shoots. Now I'm getting a gimbal for my camera. Now I can shoot super cinematic stuff. Now I can upcharge my price. All my equipment is paid off. I reinvested back into the business because what was that going to do? Allow me long term now to have a completely paid off kit and be pocketing every single bit of cash that's coming in now and utilizing it to either continue growing my business or go on a vacation, take a break. And what am I doing when I go on vacation now? Taking my camera and selling the footage for stock footage, you know, still making money off my vacation. So as an entrepreneur, you start to think about, I can make money here, I can make money here, I can make money here, and I can figure out ways to create value for other people as well. It's all about the marshmallow test. Which kid are you? <laughs> awesome, awesome message, brother. Um, so I want to send a special shout out to those that are watching. Uh, ben, Nicole, Adam, you know they were here earlier. Curtis, uh, thank you guys for watching and uh, tuning in. So uh, coming up in the last portion of our interview here, uh, Carter, uh, this is where I ask the five fitness facts of my guests. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, first question, what's your favorite workout? Ooh, I really like wads like high intensity interval stuff. So my favorite workout is going to be my tire workout. I flip a tire uh, 10 times and then I do 10 push-ups, and then I pull a sled and then I sprint back to the tire and I flip it 10 times and I do that for 10 rounds. So I get upper body and lower body and I'm dead by the end of it. But it's building up my strength. I'm not trying to get big. I'm always... Right. I'm only 179 pounds, but I want to be strong and foundationally strong. You know, I want to keep carrying groceries up the stairs at 80 years old. <clears throat> What's your least favorite? Ooh, running on a treadmill. <laughs> I hate cardio. I'm not going to lie. Ever since my leg injury, like, cardio just seems like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> 
And running on a treadmill seems it's kind of boring. <laughs> yeah, and then outside, it's kind of funny because, like, I can run three miles on a treadmill, but then I can't run, like, more than a mile and a half outside without getting winded. It's kind of bad. <laughs> All right, next question. If you had to choose one person you could train with, who would it be and why? One person I could what? You can train with. Ooh, uh, his name is Gunnar Peterson. Oh, Peterson, yeah. Gunnar Peterson. I want to train with Gunnar Peterson. One more. He's still a personal trainer or something, right? He is. He's a trainer for the stars. He's done a lot of literature as well uh, in the fitness industry. Um, and he, uh, he's actually interested in working with FitOps Foundation. So, Oh, awesome. Yeah. So it'd be awesome to get an opportunity to train yeah. with him. Have him on board. Um, next question. I want to train with Jesus. I want to do bicep curls with Jesus. <laughs> next question. Recommend a book for our listeners to read. Stand by. It's right <laughs> behind me. Okay, this guy has been proven to not be the nicest guy recently, and his reputation was a little bit shattered, so I'm almost kind of embarrassing, embarrassed to show you this book, just because everyone's going to look him up and see how he's a bad guy in the news right now. But his book is phenomenal, and it's called Resilience, and it's by Eric Reitens, who's a Navy SEAL, and he's the governor of a state i can't remember which one but he's in trouble right now but this book as you can see it was given to me as a gift oh nice and it was given to me as a gift after starting lift for the 22 because after reading this book my first gym owner said this book reminded him of how i think and when i read this book it reinforced all of the positives of the way that I feel and think about life and the resilience and getting through really hard things. Um, But it's something that I think anyone can benefit from. I really think so. Um, Don't worry about the the author. Just (laughs) resilience. Awesome. Uh, Next question. Tell us your favorite quote and why. Ooh. Well, my favorite quote for the longest time, and it's always been the bottom of my signature of my email, is the only thing between God and a Marine is a U.S. Navy corpsman. (laughs) So moto, man. (laughs) Dude, it is so moto, but I always, that quote is what made me want to be a corpsman. So when I was in 2006, a senior in high school, getting ready for joining the Navy, and I was trying to decide what I wanted to do medically, which service I want to go into, I read about corpsmen. And I saw this quote tattooed on this old World War II vet's arm. And it said, the only thing between a god and Marine is a U.S. Navy corpsman. And next to that tattoo were a bunch of bullets. And he had uh, bullets that were broken. The tips were broken off, and they looked kind of like jagged edge, like they had, been, they had hit a wall. Those bullets were for the guys that he couldn't save. Mm-hmm. And the other bullets tattooed on him next to that quote were bullets that were full and healed and whole bullets. And they were uh, the guys he saved. And it just made me realize that um, 
being able to come home from the service knowing that you went over there and you did more good than you, you know for sure you did more good than you ever did anything that you need to be sad about and you tried your best to bring everybody home and um, you know every time you get the call someone needs you to be on your best game I wanted to be that dude and uh, so that that quote meant a lot to me oh, that's a great story man and uh... You know, for me as a corpsman myself, the the time with my Marines has been the best and worst times of my life. But um, that's right, definitely the most rewarding job I've ever had. So, thanks for sharing that story. Yeah, man. And um, finally, where where can our viewers connect with you? Uh, Facebook's the best place. Um, I like social media. I think it's a good thing for people to stay connected and to build connections, meaningful connections with other people. Um, I only build meaningful connections with other people on social media. I tend to shy away from being that guy that just adds anybody. Uh, so if you're interested in being a valuable asset to my life, I would be happy to be a valuable asset to your life. So if you'd like to connect with me, feel free to do so. Awesome, brother. So. Guys, you heard that. Make sure if you guys want to have, connect with Carter, just add him on Facebook. Make sure you guys check out his uh, nonprofit foundation, Live for the 22. Um, yeah, man. Um, one final question, Carter. Um, what can I do to help you? Keep pushing out your content, man. I think, uh, I think this page is a good thing for people. Um, I think it's a good community of people that, Fitness related, I mean, our, our fitness community needs to be strong together because we're living in a world now where it's getting easier and easier for people to go down the unhealthy train. Sure. And we need to be the shining example of if you achieve in the gym, you can achieve in your life. And I think that that is a also a very important quote that I can coin the term for. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it, our community needs to stick together. So keep keep doing what you do, man. I think that, you know, by you doing what you do, it brings value to what I do. So Awesome, brother. Well, I'm glad I can uh, be of assistance. And guys, if you're a military veteran, law enforcement officer, or first responder out there in the health and fitness community, make sure you guys join the group uh, to defend our fitness alliance. All right, guys. Well, that's the show for this evening. Carter. Once again, thank you for being my guest this evening. Yeah, and, thanks uh, for having me, dude. Just let me know how, how I can uh, help you out. All right, guys. Take it easy. For sure. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye.